two of the Good Faith ID Exchange. Season two, episode two. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed episode one of the second season. Um, it was a very special one. I got to sit down with uh, two fellow vets, and we just really shared some stories and talked about what Memorial Day meant to each of us. I think it went really well. Um, I definitely got a lot of um, positive feedback from it. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, I strongly suggest you give it a shot. It is listed um, on this podcast as episode nine. Anyway, moving on to today's episode. It touches on the one thing that, you know, one thing that I have yet to really get into on the podcast, and that is uh, COVID, COVID-19. I've touched on it um, during interviews with other guests in the past, but but I haven't really um, actually devoted an episode to talking to talking about COVID. Today's episode is more of a conversation. It's not really a classic interview. Um, for today's episode, I'm talking again with um, my old military friend Tyler. We start out talking about COVID um, purely from a standpoint of, you know, where do we go from here? You know, like right now we all pretty much, you know, I think we all kind of realize things are beginning to get better as a whole, but what are the next steps? Where do we go from here? And, you know, as, as any natural conversation goes, it kind of takes on a life of its own and and one more thing I want to say before uh, we get started here is this is purely a conversation. Um, you know, these are just opinions being shared. And, um, you know, please do not take what, you know, anyone is saying as actual medical advice. You know, that is not what's going on here. We're really more talking about this from the standpoint um, from the perspective of citizens as opposed to, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of COVID itself. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Um, you know, Tyler, first of all, how are you doing and, you know, how's everything on your end? Yeah. Hey, um, thanks for having me on again. Um, super excited to keep, keep doing this. Things are going well. Can't really complain, man. Work staying busy. Uh, personal life's going crazy this year. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, about the same. I, I totally know how that feels. Uh, you know, but, you know, work, personal life. Sometimes it feels like one is overlapping the other. And yeah, I'm just trying to keep moving forward and you know keep making things happen. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, hit you with a little something that my director or, uh, previous director, we, we just had a, a change of the guard, if you will. But, um, he used to always start every single meeting, uh, with family first <laughs> okay. because, uh, you're with them a, a lot more of the day than you are at work. Work is, work is not your, your purpose in life. Absolutely. You know, if I think, uh, also, you know, when you're, you know, when it comes to work, you should, you know, try to do everything you can to, you know, find something one way or another where it doesn't really feel like work to you. And, you know, if you're not at that point, try to work to 
get to that point, you know, always have some sort of end goal that you're working towards, you know? Yeah. 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 That reminds me, uh, uh, one of my favorite bourbon brands is uh, wild Turkey and the master distiller over there who is, he's old. I I'm going to mess up his age, but somewhere in his seventies and eighties, I think his name's Jimmy Russell. Uh, they asked him like, you know, Jimmy, when are you thinking about retirement? He said, well, I suppose that whenever I come in one day and it feels like work, that'll be the day that I retire. It's <laughs> like, oh, I guess that guy's got to figure it figured out. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, I guess let's get started. Um, let's get started touching on something that we really, you know, haven't spent much time talking about, which is, um, which is actually COVID-19. You know, obviously this past, this, this past year, pretty much the whole year of 2020 um, was the year of COVID. You know, it really changed the way just about everything was done. But right now it seems like there could be some relief on the way as far as, um, you know, getting somewhere back to a sense of normalcy as far as gathering sizes, as far as uh, being able to walk in, you know, go somewhere, walk into a place without having to even really be concerned about wearing a mask and all of that. But, you know, one thing uh, that I have noticed is, I don't know, it, it kind of seems to me that um, where things are, where things are right now, and honestly, I didn't really think it would really get to this point, but yeah, I'm hearing more and more rumblings in the media about if you want to, you know, in the future, it may it may turn to if you want to travel to certain places, you're going to need to show your vaccine papers. You know, I mean, I know right now it's more, I think, for certain places, um, you either want to have your vaccine papers or um, have show proof that you were tested. Um, like you were tested negative for COVID-19, but yeah, I'm starting to wonder, you know, just how far this might go um, as far as starting to require people to show proof that they got a vaccine in order to be able to do general things like going to, you know, going to their jobs even, or going to, going to, going to college, going to school. And, you know, I, I can't help but wonder where this is going to go. And, you know, where do you kind of fall on some of this? Uh, so a couple of things that you said there that I have some opinion on, I, I could see in a worst case scenario where proof of vaccination could be required to go and do certain things, right? It, it's one of those things where like, if it was just for travel, while that would be not great, uh, I certainly wouldn't be a fan of it, but I, I think that most American families like don't fly as much as we like to think that we do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Most yeah. people's passports are probably expired if they have passports. Um, so, so in that regard, I would say like it, it would be an infringement on your your rights for sure. But it feels like it wouldn't be that affecting to people. But the scary one that you mentioned, and it's something that maybe there's some like red flags or warning signs of already in the workplace, is companies requiring employees to have a vaccine or some type of proof that they, you know, have, have received the vaccine, um, I, in the tech world specifically, and I'm not talking about like my company. Um, but I, I have a ton of contacts in the tech world, uh, here in North Carolina 
And there are a lot of people who have said, you know, in meetings and in email lists and general chats and stuff where usually people keep things that are like, you know, kind of personal, like to themselves, it's been very much like a rah-rah session or like a uh, people talking about their, you know, vaccination experience as a way to like get affirmation from their peers, okay. uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal, right? Like virtue signaling in general is just annoying at this point. Like it's not like a huge deal to me, but in this context, I could see where if it went to the leadership and the leadership got it in their heads, you know, this would be a great idea for the entire company to take part in that could put people into a, you know, a sticky situation. So again, that that's all kind of far off. I think, I think, and, and like I said, it's just the early warning signs and the rumblings that you kind of hear of it. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, there's the potential for, for something like that to happen. And I, and I, I do think that that would be um, a damn shame, frankly. I think there are a lot of really talented workers who might not want to go and get, you know, a historically untested vaccine injected into right. them. Uh, some people might. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. That, that's kind of um, my take on, on those particular topics. Right. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. You know, and, and that, and that's one of those things that it, you know, obviously we don't know the future, but I kind of come out on this um, very similar to you. Obviously I feel like forcing someone to show proof of having received a vaccination that feels like, um, you know, an infringement upon your rights to, you know, have to do that in order to be able to travel to certain places. Um, right. By it, it's one of those situations where it's like, insert your dystopian joke here. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> any, yeah. any vision of the future that's not great, that has been in literature or movies or whatever, like you could see a situation where this could be a part of that. One of the things that I think is super interesting about the whole vaccine conversation is that I wish more people took a really common sense approach to it. Uh, I'm not a doctor, right? Like uh, like I told you before the show, I I did like a year of nursing school uh, or pre-nursing school, like the the prerequisites to get into nursing school and realized it wasn't for me, right? So I'm not a doctor. Please, God, do not take any uh, thing I say as medical advice. But I feel like that people should just like allow others to make their own decisions, which shouldn't be a controversial thing to say. But with COVID, for some reason, this whole like my body, my choice thing. It's just like totally shot out the window. And I know that the argument is, well, you know, in the abortion context, that's just about me. Whereas in the COVID context, it's about, you know, the greater good. And uh, I think there's probably an argument to be made there, but it's just such a political thing. And I'm I'm like, you know what, if you want to get a vaccine, go get the vaccine. Like, I, I, I don't care, but I don't think that the government or companies really should put their citizens or workers respectively in a situation where they're forced to put something into their own body. You know, and that, and that's, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, just the things that kind of have concerned me a little bit is, you know, typically when you're developing a vaccine, normally from, you know, at least from my understanding, I think it, you know, you're talking about a, a, a long lengthy process that can take years, but this all, took place over a period of months. And, um, you know, and, and, and that being said, I do understand the rush to try to get something out there that can sort of give people, you know, better protection from this virus. Um, because, you know, truth be told, it, it is deadly. Um, 
to a certain, you know, a certain number of people. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, I think like as a conservative, that conservatives <laughs> need to do a better job of acknowledging like the fact that the virus is real. Uh, like the, the people who were like, Oh, I think it's all made up. Like that, mm-hmm. that's insane. Like yeah. people died. Family members are gone. I haven't had that many people affected, but I did have several family members contract it and one who died. Granted, the one who died falls into that demographic of like the elderly don't do well with this thing. Right. And it was like my great or great, great uncle or something crazy. Like the guy might've been like North of 90. So I'm very sorry to hear that. It, you know, it, thank you. Um, but it's just one of those things where like, I feel like conservatives just really need to do a good job in the mainstream publicly to say, you know what? It's real. Like I, I realize that it is an actual thing. Um, and just talk about it factually. But I, I do think that that gets difficult when you start to realize that the facts depend on who's talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're hard to nail down what is actually happening. But yeah, uh, the other thing that I, I wanted to say earlier is I just wish that it wasn't so politicized. Like the virus is sickness and biology. Like it's just, it's not really, it shouldn't be a political thing. Like science was established for a reason. But it it feels like a political thing, like to the point where like if you're driving in your car with a mask on, I assume that you either have coronavirus or <laughs> you're a Democrat. Um, and I wish that wasn't the case. I, I feel like that I'm just being honest when I say that, but like I feel like on the flip side of that, when you see a guy walk into a place where it blatantly says on the door, like, please wear a mask. And he's not wearing a mask. People usually are like, I bet that guy voted for Trump. (laughs) Uh, And I just think, I think it's a weird world that we live in. Like, uh, I wish that that wasn't the case. There's definitely, um, we know all about the uh, certain divisions right now going on in the country, but, you know, we can get there at another time. Actually, as far as uh, COVID goes, one thing that kind of came to my mind when I thought about COVID and this is actually, uh, you know, kind of tied into very recent events. But at, at the beginning, when you know there was so much speculation flowing around about um, about the virus and you know how dangerous it really was, when all of that was going on, I think you know, well, I know one of the things that you know we saw everywhere was people buying stuff in bulk, just um, getting, you know, buying up as much stuff as they could. And in in some cases, um, trying to, you know, sell, resell stuff for, to try and make huge profits off of others. And um, it's interesting to see how people see one another from some of these, um, you know, situations. Uh, With uh, what's what's going on more recently with this uh, colonial pipeline business, you know, that, you know, I feel like I'm kind of seeing some of that again, where, uh, you know, obviously there was the colonial pipeline. Um, they were, you know, pretty much their operations were grind- grinded to a halt recently when, you know, the official news story is that there was a, um, a ransomware attack by a hacker group and um, their entire system uh, went offline. And, um, you know, the media was pretty much warning that there could be a fuel, a fuel shortage. So, 
what a lot of people did was they flocked to the gas stations and not only filled up their own cars, but filled up as, as many tanks of gas as they could. And, you know, um, unfortunately that happened in a lot of places, but, um, I, I feel like that kind of speaks to a larger narrative of, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it seems like there's this greater narrative of people not thinking of one another and not really, you know, really more thinking about themselves. And it's, you know, very, it's very unfortunate to see. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, here in North Carolina, I uh, don't have cable, so I don't sit around watching the news very often and um, mm. have just been super busy. My wife and I just moved. Uh, and so I just have not been in the news cycle uh, really at all. But my my mother-in-law texted me, uh, I guess it was Monday morning, and was just like, hey, if you need gas, you should go fill up now. And I thought that was a weird text to get <laughs> randomly. It was like, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks Nance. Okay. Um, but then she said that she had been sitting in line for like 45 minutes to gas. And I was like, okay, so that, that's, that's a red flag. That's a problem. What's going on. And my wife was like, oh yeah, you didn't hear about, you know, the cyber attack or whatever. So I started looking into it and I, uh, am pretty well versed in, uh, cyber attacks and malware and the way that has the potential to be used. So, couple of things a it's really scary uh like a group of hackers can do things that have this big of a consequence right like it's a pretty far-reaching thing for like the whole country to be almost like out no not the whole country but like a, a lot of a lot of the countries to be like out of gas in, in the the gas stations and then the other thing is the panic buying is like almost what causes the shortage exactly yeah um I do remember when COVID first happened, my wife and I were actually traveling. We were out of town. We were not here in Raleigh. Um, we were seeing some friends in South Carolina and <clears throat> we started realizing like supplies, like everyday necessities were getting gone. And this was like during the great toilet paper shortage, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. We're only two people. So we don't buy in bulk really. Like we just buy like what we need. And then when it's gone, we go buy more. So that was an actual problem for me. Um, I spent the day driving back to my hometown to then need to pick up supplies and there weren't any. Like I want to say we probably went a month without seeing toilet paper in a store ourselves. Thank God my father-in-law um, travels a fair bit for his, his job. And so he would stop in you know the Dollar Generals, the Walmarts, the whatever he was passing, right? That, that mm -hmm. carried that sort of stuff and pick it up for us. So you know, we were provided for in that way, but like, that was a real problem. Uh, and then now with what's going on with the gas, you know, I, I pulled up to uh, a pump Monday morning that was free. It was like the one free pump in the whole place. And it said premium only. I'm like, well, it's a good time to have a, you know, a picky engine, right? Like <laughs> I'm only supposed to put premium in my car. Great. I'll fill this up. But then I noticed the huge markup too. Like I, I paid uh, almost a dollar markup per gallon. Wow. Um, which is crazy. Um, and then, and then, you know, to come home and, and start to actually look into the situation and get on Twitter and, uh, there's photos of people filling up you know, <laughs> massive. And I mean, yeah. massive, like farm chemical containers and, mm -hmm. uh, the big, not, not the five gallon buckets, but like the 50 gallon drums, like it's it just insane. Um, and, and that, that makes it worse because a, like you're perpetuating the shortage B, you know, the human being in the car behind you also needs some of this. 
Exactly. And, and I am not sure that people really care in the moment. They're just like, Oh, I have to get what's mine from, from me and my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I understand where it comes from because like, if you don't look out for you, like no one will a lot of times. Right. Um, but at the same time, like if we all looked out for the person in line behind us, there probably would be gas there for the people in line behind us. Right. Exactly. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where like, it reminded me of like, you ever pull up to a drive-thru and, you know, go, go to get your food. And they're like, Oh, the person in front of you paid for yours. And it's like, Oh, cool. Human kindness. Well, I tell you what, why don't you let me pay for the person behind me? Like those things yeah. go on for a long time. So like <laughs> as little faith as we have in humanity these days, I do think that there are uh, characteristics in people worth investing in, in that way. Um, and I, I feel like if we realize that like the people behind us also have families and places to go and jobs to make and uh, all that stuff. Like it, the shortages would just not be as scary as they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, I think also, and, and this is kind of taking it back pretty far, but when, when I think about, um, you know, when I think about world war two, the generation um, of Americans who fought in World War II, um, that generation, of course, nicknamed the greatest generation. One thing that um, kind of stands out to me is this is a generation that was um, literally coming out of the Great Depression uh, throughout the 1930s. And during that time, you know, you're talking about, you know, a generation that saw you know, rationing of items such as sugar and milk and, you know, important necessities. And um, a lot of people who are working in, say, factories or, you know, working in some capacity to support the war effort, um, some of these people were putting in extra hours. They were, you know, putting in extra hours and in some cases not getting paid for that time. They were basically giving of themselves, not necessarily having everything that they needed to make sure that someone else had what they needed, you know, just doing different things to um, kind of support others. And I don't think that's something that really happens as much these days. And, you know, when you think about it, of course, people are going to point the finger immediately like, yeah, I know it's because of you know, it's because of this group of people, you know, these people over here, they're the reason why that stuff's happening now and, and all that. But, you know, maybe it might just be better to, um, you know, to realize and understand that it's not just one group of people that, you know, is responsible for where we're at as a, as a society today, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it's better that we try to focus on just things that we can all do together to make our society better because you know, at the end of the day, Trump's not going to pick up your garbage. Biden's not going to take your kids to little league practice. The, these things, these things are done by one another. You know, your neighbor is not Nancy Pelosi. Your neighbor is not, you know, in any of these people, um, these people are in a, you know, th- these people are, are frankly living in a, a, living in a different reality from, many of us. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, these people who might get you so riled up and so angry, who are, who are on Capitol Hill, who are in the White House, wherever, you know, they're not the people who um, live next door to you. They're not the people who live down the street from you. They're not the people who, you know, have kids who 
are growing up um, who play with your kids outside. That's us. That's all of us as American citizens. And, you know, we need to remember to, you know, not allow anything that we might think or feel to affect one another as American citizens, because at the end of the day, we're all we have. So, you know, we've got to try and work together, but um, we also need to try to do what needs to be done to make things better for for all of us, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with your sentiment. Um, I would say if we had to blame one group of people, I think that we could do that knowing that they're not wholly responsible, but heavily responsible, but it's not a political party. It's not, you know, a, a religious group. It's, it's none of these things that you would think, well, that's not true. It's, it's pretty popular actually to hate these folks. Uh, I, I still will stand by the fact that I think that our cable news networks, media, newspapers, the, the big national news machine, I think you could lay a majority of the blame at their feet for why people feel the way that they feel about their neighbors these days. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I have to agree with you there. Um, I think, <laughs> I think you know where I come out on that. And, and one thing I'll admit, I, it does kind of puzzle me sometimes why people don't, you know, kind of see that a little bit more, um, you know, see that they're being some of what they might think or what they might believe um, is kind of being manipulated. You know, it's, you know, it's a little unfortunate to see that. All right. So that concludes this episode. You know, again, this was just a conversation. And part of the reason that we had this conversation is, you know, these are things that we, each are seeing personally. These are opinions from our personal perspectives, but some of these changes that we're talking about, some of these changes that we're concerned about, we're already starting to see. For instance, uh, there are a number of universities around the country that are basically saying, look, you need to get vaccinated if you want to be able to attend school uh, this, this next coming semester including the school that I go to. So I think for things like this, uh, number one conversation is probably of paramount importance here. Opening up the conversation, opening up the dialogue, talking about these things just honestly and sharing our opinions with one another. I think that is um, very important here, just like with any, just like with so many other hard to discuss topics. I think we need to do that anyway. Um, as always, if you if you enjoyed what we talked about today, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed any episodes of my podcast, feel free to subscribe. Feel free to give it a rating. Just you know what you honestly think it deserves. And um, thank you very much for listening. Hope to see you next time.